0: Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in blizzardy Missoula, Montana. Joining me like he does each week is the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone makes all of us envious each week in this part of the country by coming to you from the Sunshine State of Florida. Well, Stone, the first round is in the books Anything really stand out to you?
1: I can't say anything really stood out to me besides Gardner-Webb pulling off a big victory over Eastern Kentucky. But, Kev, you mentioned you're in Missoula, Montana, in the middle of a snow blizzard. I'm in sunny South Florida. Is there anything else that irks
0: you that kind of is grinding your gears a little bit? Look, I like rules, okay? (laughs) And I don't always like to follow them, but I like precedent. And I don't like change, and I don't like it when people tell me, that this is the criteria we use for something and then we just totally throw it out when it becomes convenient for you and those of you that follow FCS football will know what I'm talking about it has come out that University of North Dakota did outbid Weber State by seventy thousand dollars and didn't host the game so you know I think this whole thing needs to be blown up I think that anybody who was on that committee this year should not be on it next year and the rules need to be clearly defined we need to get out of the smoky backroom dealings for selecting this playoff field we need to get athletic directors with rooting interest in their team off the committee and do that now these are some very simple things we can do that will restore people's confidence in this whole process and its fairness if you do nothing and this continues it's going to be an absolute stain on entire subdivision and on a playoff system that has its flaws but is better than anything else going I've said my piece about it, Stone. What's your take?
1: No, I mean, I agree with you 110%, and I think what makes me sad, actually, is you talked about those backroom smoke dealings, right? It's, you know, I think these guys have a conversation at one point that nobody's gonna notice, right? There aren't enough eyes on these games. There's not enough people that care out there for them to even notice, and that's the kind of part that I find disrespectful. You a little more passionate than me, because you've seen it year after year after year. I was somebody who was living it. I was somebody who was a part of it while it was going on and didn't even know, so I'm glad I'm on the other side now, and yeah, I think Things do need to change, so preach, Kev, preach.
0: You know, I think that's enough said about that. Let's deal with the games from last week. Up first, Furman 31, Elon 6. Paladins really dominated.
1: Yeah, they definitely did. Defensively, they looked really, really good, and that was kind of why I predicted them to win this game. I said I feel like down the stretch they'll play better defense. Well, right out of the gates they played better defense.
0: That's been the story of the Paladins, right? They're the most balanced team in FCS football. About 230 yards passing and 220 yards rushing a game. That's how you get it done. Four powered and scored touchdowns, and they piled up 251 yards rushing and a bend-but-don't-break defense, and they kept Elon from the 30s to the 30s and kept him out of the end zone, held him to two field goals. That's it. Furman quarterback Tyler Huff went 16 of 26 for 140 yards and a touchdown. Furman advances to play at number 7 seed incarnate word this week. That'll be an interesting ballgame. New Hampshire 52, Fordham 42. This one frustrated me, Stone. And
1: I bet it did. I bet it did. For weeks now, I've been kind of chipping away at this Max Brosmer hype train, right? I've been trying to get on it. I feel like I'm helping put eyes on this kid because he's a baller, right? He's a sophomore. He's super young, but he does a lot of good things for this team. The offense runs through him. I've said that week after week after week. 350 through the air, three touchdowns in what was a track race of a game. UNH basically led wire to wire, but Fordham did not go anywhere. This was a great game. It was really good to watch, and the highlights were even better.
0: Well, what frustrated me, and it really grinded my gears, is that New Hampshire just showed a complete unwillingness, an absolute unwillingness to run the ball when it was wa- when it was warranted and necessary. There was one particular stretch where their drive in the football could have gone up 21 points, maybe put Fordham away, had third down and one, close to midfield, and they lined up in the shotgun, threw the ball, incomplete pass. Decided to go for it on fourth and one. Lined up in the shotgun, incomplete pass. Now, Stone, I know that a couple of those things are music to your ears, lined up in the shotgun. You're a former quarterback. But you're a CAA team. This is a Patriot League team. On third and one, you've got an offensive line that can push them around, and you get all cute and and stuff with it. Line up, run the ball, push people around. (laughs) You've got a CAA offensive line. Act like it. New Hampshire advances to take on their second Patriot League team in a row when they travel to the number eight seed, Holy Cross. Delaware, 56, St. Francis, 17. I thought this one would be closer. You did not.
1: I did not, and there are two reasons why. One of them is Nolan Henderson, and the other is Chandler Harvin. Chandler Harvin, wide receiver for the Hens, could go play ball at a handful of FBS schools right now. He's that talented. He deserves more eyes. He needs some light shined upon him. He's that good. Nolan Henderson, super efficient. I love watching these guys play. This isn't your typical Delaware team. This team can put up a lot of numbers, and they're really efficient on offense. Nolan Henderson on third down is elite. I like this Hens team going forward, and there's a familiar foe standing right at the front door.
0: No kidding. Weber State 38, North Dakota 31. Stone, this game featured one of the worst calls by the men in stripes you're ever going to (laughs) see.
1: I'll let you touch on that one because that's right up your alley. It's usually where you like to vent. I love it. But – Kev, to me, this wasn't a game. I wasn't interested in it. They knew that they were the favorites coming into this game. They played like it early on, and they got lazy towards the end. It happens. So the scoreline's a little aggravating for me to see because I never thought UND was a threat. So I like Weber State going forward. Really tough matchup next.
0: So you're telling me that the boys from Utah got a little conservative?
1: I think, I think most definitely. Imagine,
0: imagine that, right? You know, <laughs> I, I, imagine that. But uh, look, they ran the ball Weber State did for 330 yards and did exactly what they wanted to do in the snow in Ogden. And the game featured, like I said, one of the worst calls you've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. It's out there. And evidently, Stewart Stadium in Ogden, Utah, is a place where the laws of physics just don't apply. It's like some sort of parallel place or X-Files, Sculler, Moldier-type situation. But that let UND back in the game. They were kind of dead. Weber State was driving to go up, what would have been, 31 to nothing. And uh, that kind of let them back in the game, gave the Fighting Hawks, uh, some reason to fight, and they did. Like you said, they got some touchdowns towards the end, got back in the ballgame, and Weber State's defense needed to make a play at the end, and they did. Weber State advances to take on the number 8 seed Montana State in Bozeman, and that's a rematch of a pretty good ball game earlier in the season that also had some extremely weird things happen to it. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Gardner-Webb, 51, Eastern Kentucky, 41.
1: All right, how about the running Bulldogs, 405 yards on the ground. I mean, this thing was never a game.
0: It's hard to lose a ball game when your quarterback throws for 554 yards and five touchdowns, right? That's <laughs> yes, does. it is very hard. Or McKinney did for Eastern Kentucky. I mean, you look at that stat line and you go, well, the Colonels probably won by three touchdowns. But they didn't. And the reason was Nari Gaither for Gardner-Webb, ran for 245 yards and averaged a scintillating 8.8 yards per carry. Oof. Quarterback Bailey Fisher and running back Jaden Brown combined for another 165 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Very impressive performance for Coach Trey Lamb's Gardner-Webb University running Bulldogs. And the Webb, with the victory, they move on to play the number five seed. William and Mary, and like you said, don't sleep on the Webb. Southeastern Louisiana, 45. Idaho, 42. Look, turnovers were key in this one, Stone. Southeastern Louisiana had none and got three from Idaho. That was a difference, those extra possessions. And Cephas Johnson, and that southeastern Louisiana offense with the definition of balance, 227 yards passing, 224 yards rushing. Idaho standout was Hayden Hatton, who caught nine balls for 209 yards and a touchdown. How he's not available to vote for on any of the postseason teams or postseason awards is beyond me. That guy's a difference maker, and he's just a sophomore. It's scary how good he could be. Montana, 34. Southeast Missouri State, 24.
1: How about them grizzed, Kev? Lucas Johnson, he's been your starter all season. You guys were begging for him to come back when he was hurt. He came in. I wouldn't say he mounted the comeback, but he did his job. He did his job. You should be happy and pleased with him. But, God, Montana, Twitter is really, really hard to get a read on, Kev.
0: Look, man, there's not a whole lot to do out here in the winter if you don't ski or snowboard <laughs> other than to drink. So I think a lot of guys were into their cups on Saturday <laughs> night, and they were doing it depressingly drinking for the first half of this ball game. But this one really just showed you, Stone, how important discipline, keeping your poise, and special teams are. SEMO had this game in the bag. Yep. They had just finished a 13-play, 65-yard touchdown drive to go up 24-3. to 3. And one of their offensive linemen, I don't know whether he did the hokey-pokey or said one of the magic words you're not allowed to say, but he had a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct. SEMO had to kick off from the 20. They'd kick it to Malik Flowers, which is always a mistake. He took it back to the house. And, man, next thing you know, it was 31 unanswered points with a Bergen-Johnson punt return mixed in there. Lucas Johnson was winging the ball all over the stadium. And the Grizz did something I haven't seen them do a whole lot of time, Stone. They made some in-game adjustments. They did not just continue stubbornly with their game plan if it wasn't working. So kudos to the staff. Kudos to the Grizz football players. They're going to move on. They are on a trip to Fargo to take on the number three seed. North Dakota State buys them. It's time for us to take a quick time out. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We're now joined by Mr. Keaton Gillogley, the play-by-play voice for the Montana State Bobcats. Thanks for being here, Keaton. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Happy to be here. Isaiah Afonze comes back this week. Fresh legs should really help that Montana State backfield.
2: Yeah, no kidding, man. What a what a journey it's been for Afonso. You know, they they knew he was going to be out for a while and and really because they went to the championship game last season that kind of delayed when he was going to have uh the procedure done on his knee. So if they had not gone to the the championship game last year, he's probably back a little bit earlier since that's so late. And as a result of being pushed back as far as he was, he's going to be coming back next year. That's the plan as of right now because the max he can play is the four games in the playoffs, and, you know, th- there was a lot of talk, and, and they knew uh, by November 1st they knew he wasn't going to play in the Cat game, uh, but they were coy with it. It's, I feel like you should be in that, in that moment. So that was the question going in, but, you know, that was still a week shy of what the surgeon felt really comfortable with, and, and uh, I'm excited for him. You know, he's going to feel fresh, and this is going to be as healthy as he's been since the start of the 2019 season.
0: The only question marks coming in for the Bobcats this season was that offensive line. That group is really gelled, man. Man, yeah, you're saying, man. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny because one of the topics of of conversation,
2: one of the fats to chew, fats to chew on, has been, you know, who's the team MVP? Because seemingly everybody who could be considered has gone down with an injury at this point uh, out of the skill positions. And when you really think about it, I think when you really break it down, you look at this offensive line, there's a reason so many guys are averaging six, seven, eight, nine yards per carry. And when you look at that offensive line, you have to look at the guy who's the returner and a young sophomore who stepped up into a leadership role. And that's justice Perkins. And it's been pretty impressive to watch the way they have just kind of moved together as a unit. And it's just been a slow steady climb. Every week it felt like they took one extra step further. They never slid back and they're the reason that Montana State shared the Big Sky Conference Championship with Sac State.
0: It was also going to be tough to replace Lance McCutcheon who really came on in the playoffs during that run last year and is doing fairly well in Sunday football. That group has stood out too but what has surprised you? Who stepped up the most in that wide receiver group?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, you could make the case that Marky e. Johnson stepped up the biggest way, but as a running back because he had almost 250 yards against Cal Poly. Um, you know, Willie Patterson really stepped into the role as the guy this year. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of big flashy numbers the last two or three weeks. You know, he's a sixth-year guy. He had two broken collarbones throughout his career, but he's the guy who is, you know, the culture carrier. He's the guy who was in Elijah Elliott's ear at the beginning of the year when he was the fifth man on the depth chart saying, hey, stick with it, be ready when they give you the ball, show them why you deserve that football. Uh, Robbie Austin has been an incredible uh guy in the run game he his blocks downfield are just they're magical uh, there's so many times when we've seen these big plays sprung and who do you see 20 30 yards downfield still engaging his block it's number one robbie austin so that that stuff's been impressive cleveland thomas has had some nice moments as well Um uh, but to watch Whit- willie patterson really kind of emerge as the guy after being here for six years going through the coaching change going through you know, a losing season, and now being here as a Big Sky champ uh, has been pretty fun. And, and we haven't really seen them utilized a ton, at least in the air the last couple of weeks, but I, I bet we start to see that maybe switch just a little bit as we get to the playoffs.
0: FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Keaton Gilogli, the play-by-play voice for the Montana State Bobcats. You know, we've gone almost four minutes and haven't mentioned the dual-head monster at quarterback. It's got to be some kind of record when you're talking about the Bobcats, right? But these guys complement yeah. each other so well, and there doesn't seem to be any envy, jealousy. It's an amazing thing. It seems to only work in the Big Sky Conference. You got Sac State doing it, and the Montana State Bobcats doing it. It's really a strange thing, but it works. Yeah, and you know, as as
2: guys started to transfer in that quarterback room after last year's Milot became the guy. Brent Vegan was looking for somebody in the transfer portal. He knew they needed a little more experience. They needed some veteran leadership. Malat's run last year was incredibly impressive, but he's only a sophomore. And so regardless of how amazing he was last year, you knew there were going to be ups and downs, and you knew he was going to be in the line of fire as a running quarterback. And Brent told us early in the year, like, I don't think that there's anybody in the country that could have come here and I would have been as confident as I was in Sean Chambers being able to be the number two guy. And, you know, you look at the numbers, and they don't look like number two guy numbers, uh, especially in the ground game. But watching those two guys interact, watching how much they celebrate each other, the fact that both of them were injured at different points in the year, and seeing how much joy they received – on the sidelines, when they saw the other guy make a big play, it's awesome, and I think that's what really what this this FCS level is all about, man. When you get to see those two guys really celebrate each other, it's just it works, and it and it all comes back to Brent Vegan knowing his guy and making sure he's communicating to everybody about what their roles are. And when you tell somebody what their role is, they're more willing to accept
0: it, and that's why it's worked. Should be one heck of a rematch with Weber State. And you just wonder, first time was Bizarro World. How can they top that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if it's about uh, topping it, but maybe uh, just complimenting it. You know, it was an interesting game for a couple of reasons. First of all, Weber State got Josh Davis back, a former All-American. They ran the ball for 330 yards against North Dakota, so they're a slightly different team. Now, for Montana State, they did not have Sean Chambers in that game. That was the first time they didn't have Chambers while he sat out for almost a month due to injury. Obviously, they're bringing Isaiah Fonse back, so you do see All-Americans coming back on both sides for each team. And then the other part... Weber State's not going not gonna to have four bad snaps. That's not going to happen. But at the same time, Montana State's probably not going to give up two more kick return touchdowns. They really kind of revamped some of their uh, return game philosophy, and uh, that came, went into the bye week. So, you know, Brent Vegan had used the bye week after that Weber State game to, in his words, create some more competition on special teams. He needed guys to step up and find, you know, find the guys who were really there who could really succeed moving forward. And since then they've been great. You know, they really held Malik flowers in check in the, uh, in the Montana game. And he's one of the great kick returners, not only in the big sky, but around the country. So, you know, I think that that return game and the special teams are going to be really interesting to watch And Although it's a rematch, both of these two teams are in a very different place
0: now a month later. Keaton, we got about a minute left and I'm a transplant to Montana too, but this is my 13th winter. What surprised you the most about moving to Montana?
2: Oof, man, that's a, uh, that's a tough one. Maybe the, uh, the hospitality. I, I did kind of feel like as I was coming, people were going to be like, Whoa, Hey, now you're an outsider. Here's a stiff arm, like stay, stay an arm's length away. And you do see some of those no vacancy hats uh, around, but no, I think the hospitality people have just welcomed me in with such open arms and, and, uh, you know, when I, when I got this job, a lot of people warned me that, hey, you know, this fan base, you know, they want a lot out of their broadcast. They want a lot out of their shows. They really hold, you know, their media to a high standard because they care and they know just as much as anybody else knows. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've been really, you know, I've been really warmed by the welcome that I've had and interacting with Bobcat Nation particularly at our cat chat shows every week and just getting to know people. So yeah, it really, it's felt, it's felt very much like home in a very, very fast fashion.
0: FCS nation. That's been Mr. Keaton Gologly, the play by play voice for the Montana state Bobcats. Thanks for making the time, dude. Really appreciate it. No doubt. Appreciate it. You having me. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Well, Stone, it's now time for the preview segment. we got eight games, including all eight top seeds, some very good matchups this week. And when you look at this as a whole, you know, it's weird to do a preview segment of games and not have any clunkers in there, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a really good call. I, I, you know, and what really showed me that was when I had to make the picks, right? We'll get to that segment in a little bit. But these predictions, every scoreline I have is
0: close. Every match I
1: have is a uh, popcorn, cracker match. Like, I'm excited.
0: First up, Delaware is at number one, South Dakota State. These teams have seen each other before, Stone. Nolan Henderson looks to be healthy. South Dakota State, you know, running game, a whole lot of kudos, Right. But I think it'll surprise some people to know that they're just 49th in the country running the football. And I thought they'd be much higher than that. You know, but Mark Ranowski can get the ball down the field. If they can keep Nolan Henderson upright, I think the Blue Hens have a shot here. They're a pretty battle-tested football team. Have that win over Navy, who's a physical running team. I think if you're Delaware, you're not going to make a whole lot of hay against South Dakota State keeping Nolan Henderson in the pocket. He's mobile when he's healthy. Get him out of the pocket, move the pocket, have him some shots downfield and some safety valves. Delaware's got way more than a puncher's chance in this football game, I think, Stone.
1: Kev, I just want to copy and paste everything you just said right there. I mean, everything was on the money. This game rides on what Nolan Henderson can do to this South Dakota State defense. Can he penetrate then? Is there anybody that can handle Chandler Harvin? Keep him upright. He's really good at extending plays, getting outside the hashes, and improvising on third down. I talked about his efficiency on third down. I think it's really important coming into this game because of how good that Jack's defense is. So I'm really excited. I do think South Dakota State is going to want to play their game. They're going to be stubborn. They're going to want to run on first and second down. Mark's going to have some QB powers on some third and shorts. Like It's going to be a typical Jackrabbit football game, but I as well do give Delaware a punching chance. I love everything that you said.
0: Richmond is at number two, Sacramento State. Richmond, I've been high on them all year, and I really like the way they play offense. They are not going to make a whole bunch of high-risk throws unless they think they're there and it's advantageous to them. They move the ball around, spread it out. It's a different receiver who's leading the way for them every week. Risha throws more than five, six, seven completions. You're going to ask the young man, well, what's wrong with you? Are you hurt? The guy's efficient, gets the job done. Their running game is good enough with Aaron Dykes to be able to pick up six, seven yards on draw plays when you're in the nickel or the dime. And Sac State, two-headed quarterback monster, Cameron Scataboo. I mean, you have to look at it this way, though. Sac State's won a whole lot of close ball games, whole lot of nail biters. Good teams do that, but Stone, a lot of times, those type of things have a tendency to even out. And you have to ask yourself this, too, my friend. And I know that for a lot of these kids, they weren't on these last two sack teams that stumbled in the playoffs and didn't go near as far as people thought they were. But some of these young men were, and you have to think that's in the back of their mind a little bit, and maybe they'll play a little tight. Richmond's going to go out there, play loose, do their thing, try to win the ballgame.
1: I hear you loud and clear, but my eyes are stuck on the prize, and that's the Sacramento State versus Incarnate Word matchup here in the quarterfinal. So I'm betting on Sacramento State to move on. Kev, I think that Sacramento State is going to prepare for this game really well. Richmond doesn't hide what they do. There's not a lot of smoke and mirrors they do offensively. Like It's a lot of good quick game from Reese Yudinski. They take their shots when you know they're going to take their shots, Right when they creep into plus territory, find themselves on the plus 40. That's usually when they let the ball fly. Like Sacramento State has an opportunity here as a coaching staff to get their plays ready and dominate this Richmond team, and that's what I think they do, to be completely honest with you.
0: Montana is at number three, North Dakota State. This game feels a little strange to me, (laughs) right? We were all clamoring and looking for this matchup, you know, six weeks ago. You know, Montana was in top three, top four, maybe even number one in some people's polls like mine. And (laughs) so, you know, this game just feels like, man, it should be a clash of the Titans. It should be getting all of the attention this week. But it's really not. And, you know, I wonder, though, you know, the Grizz, They played six quarters of horrible football, four quarters in the Brawl of the Wild against Montana State, two quarters against SEMO last week. But they sort of rounded that corner. Their defense is going to give North Dakota State some problems. This will be an interesting ballgame. Hunter Lipke is not going to play for North Dakota State, and Lucas Johnson is going to play for Montana. He looked healthier in that second half. He can extend the plays. Keep some things moving. The Grizz have just got to be able to change on the fly. The running game's not working, then drop back and throw it 55 60 times. North Dakota State, we know what they're gonna do, Stone. Line up, run the ball, try to power you out of existence. Montana defense gonna have to ball to next.
1: This one's interesting. I don't really know where I lean myself. Like, you can make a case for both sides, right? Like Is North Dakota State just going to power their way through without Hunter Lepke? Is Montana's defensive front going to hold their own and put the game on Cam Miller's shoulders? Those are the questions that I'm asking myself, but Montana is no stranger in playing in hostile environments. I mean, they single-handedly suffocated that SEMO offense. And when I say they, I'm talking about that Montana Grizz fan base. Like, that was awesome to watch. So when they go into Fargo, I think these guys are going to be more so excited that they're going into Fargo. Like, oh, finally, another hostile environment outside of the state of Montana. Like, let's go. So I think Montana's going to get up for this game. I think they're going to be ready for the challenge. I think North Dakota State missing Hunter Lepke might make the Bison try to do some fancy gadget kind of things on offense that Montana's going to be ready for. I suspect these guys are going to game plan and scheme up this North Dakota State power running game. I think Montana's shot in this game. I'm hoping that North Dakota State is favored by a lot because I'm taking Montana in the points. I like the matchup
0: here. Weber State is at number four, Montana State. Stone, as weird as this last matchup was and as kind of weird as Weber State's game was last week, nothing will surprise me about what's going to happen in this ball game. Jay Hill has a fine record in rematches but they got to go back to Bozeman. And normally that would be a big advantage for the Bobcats, cold weather team, cold weather environment. But here comes Weber state. Who's just as used to it as they are. And look, Weber state run the ball, play ball, hawking, great defense. And the secondary is one of the best in the country. And they don't give up a lot of yards on the ground. So Montana state got to throw the ball to win. I think, I think Weber state will put eight guys in the box and, and say to Tommy Milad or Sean Chambers, you're going to have to beat us. Some teams have tried to do that, including Weber the last time, and it kind of worked for them. But, you know, you can't have four safeties. You know, you got to play clean in offense, defense, and special teams. Weber State would not shock me one bit if they go on the road to Bozeman and come back with a W.
1: I agree with you 100%. These are two of the most balanced teams left in the field. Weber State's going to – deploy the same game plan just like you said I mean I don't think that's a secret I think that they're gonna make this Montana State team throw the ball they're gonna put them in second and third and longs and make things awkward for them so I say it a lot and I know I do but this game's gonna ride on the quarterback shoulders and that's Tommy lot. Sean Chambers coming in and handling the third and shorts I would presume I'm excited to see if Weber State can execute defensively the same way they did the first time out. And, oh, yeah, hopefully the long snapper uh, stretches or has his cup of coffee or smokes a joint before this game because he needs to calm down and and settle in because this is a big one in Bozeman.
0: Gardner-Webb is at number five, William and Mary. Gardner-Webb, no pressure. Now, they ran the ball extremely well last week. But make no mistake, that's a passing football team. Bailey Fisher can really spin it. And William & Mary, they run the ball from so many directions with so many guys, you never know where it's coming from. William & Mary does a lot of things on offense I really like, but so does Gardner-Webb. And Gardner-Webb, not going to be intimidated by going to Williamsburg, Virginia, Stone. They played three FBS teams this year and also a Mercer team from the SOCON. So these are not guys that are going to be wide-eyed, Williamsburg, Virginia, and the William & Mary tribe. Looking forward to a good ball game in this one. Trey Lamb is a very good up-and-coming coach from a very good coaching family. Mike London, he's won every place he's ever been. Good coaching matchup, good quarterback matchup. Bailey Fisher, Darius Wilson, both of them can run the football. Both of them can spin it in the passing game. This one will be very interesting.
1: Interesting for sure. The Web playing with nothing to lose, right? They've traveled to at least three FBS schools. They. Brought Coastal Carolina down to the wire, so they're coming in here with house money, trying to run the ball. I think that the Tribe defense can do what they've done all season long, plus a little bit of Darius Wilson being a really good game manager that he is. I think that's the recipe for the Tribe. Interesting, this matchup right here. I'm excited to see how it plays out.
0: Southeastern Louisiana is at the number six seed, Sanford Bulldogs, first ever hosting an FCS playoff game for Sanford. Will Michael Hires play? Nobody seems to know. There is tight lip as bill belichick and the patriots are i don't have any idea and i thought i had a pretty good line into most every socon football program (laughs) but even some of the big wigs don't even know southeastern louisiana they got turnovers last week and that was the difference if hires plays and samford plays clean i don't believe they'll have a whole lot of problems with southeastern louisiana but Slu can do some things offensively with the quarterback run change some things up they're not a drop back pass team. Throw it 60 times anymore. They their defense flies to the ball. You know, if Sanford helps them, Southeastern can win this ball game. If Sanford plays clean and Hires plays, they ought to advance.
1: I agree. Again, Kev, I think Sanford. If Hires plays, is going to blow these guys out. I don't think Slough has the weapons offensively to keep pace. We see how fast this Sanford team. How a high octane this offense is. Right. Again, I'll reiterate it. If Hires plays, they'll dominate the Southeastern team. I like Sanford. I like what they do on offense. I think that their offense is their defense, right, because they're continuously putting your offense back there on the field, whether it's a quick three and out or whether it's a quick scoring drive. I like Sanford a lot. I love the number before the tournament started, plus 2,900. I'm a Bulldog fan through and through. I think they get this done easily.
0: Furman is at number seven, Incarnate Word. I know we've both been high on the word and quarterback Lindsey Scott Jr. Furman, though, does a lot of things well on offense. Their defense is kind of a bend but don't break group. They've got two really good defensive linemen who wear single digits. You're going to want to watch them. If they can control the football game up front, get pressure on Scott without having to blitz could be a long day for incarnate word and incarnate word. You don't have to fall in love with the pass. I know it's what you do best, but you also have a thousand yard rusher back there. Run the ball occasionally. Keep firm and honest should be a whale of a game.
1: Should be a whale of a game. Furman's so good and so disciplined defensively, so I expect them to have some exotic pressures dialed up and run a lot of funky games on the defensive line, trying to disturb Lindsey Scott, but he's just too damn good. I think he lights Furman up. Excited to see if Furman can keep pace offensively because we know how good this word offense is, and that's where my eyes are going to be. Can Furman stop Lindsey Scott Jr.? That's the question we're going to be asking every time these guys play from here on out. And that's what I'll be waiting to see.
0: New Hampshire is at the number eight seed, Holy Cross. If you're New Hampshire, don't get cute. You've got a big offensive line. You've got more athletes than them on that side of the ball, especially both lines. Use that. You're a CAA team. This is a Patriot League team, albeit a very good one but still a Patriot League team, line up, push them around, control the clock, go over the top when you force them to snap the box to stop the run. Do your thing, and you'll beat Holy Cross. Try to get cute and and match them with how many times you can throw the ball and how many plays you can run and how sexy you can be, and you'll get beat.
1: All right. This game right here I am most excited about than any others on the slate. It is an opportunity for me and you, Kev, to point our fingers at everybody on that Bluebird app and laugh our way to the bank. Or we have to go into hibernation because holy fraud gets it done against UNH. But I will say, I've been rocking with Max Brosmer all season long. I'm going to double down on that. I think this is a really, really good matchup between quarterbacks with Matthew Sluka and Max Brosmer. I think it's going to be fireworks. I think we're going to see a high-scoring affair. Like I said, Kev, this game right here, I have it starred. I think I am most excited for this matchup more than any other on the board.
0: And even though I live in Montana, I gonna hibernate, Stone. You know, uh, <laughs> I'll take my lumps. Yes. You know, one of, the yes. things, one of the things about getting paid money to have an opinion is that you have an opinion, and you express it. You're damn right? right. So if it's wrong, well, you know, I will stand there and take all the slings and the arrows anybody can, and I'll be happy to do it. I don't think I am, but we'll find out. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
3: Outsmart, out-hustle, out hustle, outscore. In the FCS, it's not always about the outcome. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I Football Championship Subdivision. It's more than a game.
1: You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
0: And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Very pleased to be joined by Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the number two seed Sacramento State Hornets. Been quite a season, Jason. I just love you saying that, Kevin. That sounds good. The number two seed Sacramento State hornets has been a dream year. It really
3: has. I had expectations for this team. I never thought it would be an undefeated year. A two seed—really thought they could have been one, but that's okay. The the path on their postseason journey, at least, will go through their home field, and I hope, I hope it's a long one.
0: Look, Troy Taylor's coming there and done one heck of a job. What is it about him? When I've been at Media Day, he seems to be a quiet, soft-spoken guy, but quiet intensity. Quiet intensity is a perfect
3: way to put it. Um, He's such a competitor, but I've never found a guy that's like that juxtaposition between this fierce competitor that wants to win every game that also is relatively chill and mild-mannered, but he, he ultimately is a really, he's like a football savant offensively. I mean, he's just a genius offensively, and he finds out ways, to break down another team, and then he's got the buy-in of all his players. I think players and coaches love coaching with him or playing for him. So it's the, it's the perfect recipe with good talent and certainly a, a good coach that a lot of people love playing for.
0: There's a lot of good players in that area in high school too, and he's getting a lot of them.
3: Yeah, and that's the other part that's helped. His, his background as a high school coach, I know at times may have been looked at as for whatever reason a negative, though it was wildly successful here in our area. And then I think that really helps him with recruiting because now he knows he's got the relationship with high school coaches. And if a certain coach is coming up to him and saying, you need to take my player. Well, he, he'll know who's selling him a bill of goods or who he can trust and says, oh, no, every, every player this coach has sent me before has been on the up and up. So I think that has really been a big advantage in his recruiting, too.
0: And the two quarterback system, it only seems to work in the Big Sky Conference with y'all and with Montana <laughs> State. What's up with that?
3: Yeah, I know the, the old adage which I said, look, I got I say this on my radio show like if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one. I didn't invent the phrase, but I'm going to put it away because it works. It's worked for now two full seasons. It's actually worked even better this year. Uh Troy Taylor's never done it to his credit. He's stuck with it. I remember the start this year, one of the first times I was with him in in fall camp, I said, "Well, coach, I see both quarterbacks out there. Are we kind of, you know, keeping this hush-hush?" He's like, "No, everybody knows we're doing it. You can talk about it. We're we're not hiding from it." So um, it's not a secret anymore, and it's just worked amazingly well. To the lines' credit, the skill players' credit, they're they're ready for whichever one comes in there, and now it's just seamless. I mean, it's down in distance. It could be per series, per down, per uh, hash mark of the field. It's it's so detailed on when he wants to play his guys.
0: FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Jason Ross, the play-by-play voice for the number two seed, Sacramento State Hornets. Jason, have you ever seen a guy tougher to bring down in the open field than Scataboo is? I mean, the guy just runs hard, and he's not a big guy, but he will run over you. I don't understand it. I, I like
3: football, obviously, the goal is to get away from someone. He is one of the few. He's had a couple of plays this year, Kevin, that have blown me away where, you know, it, he's about the three yard line, and you know he's going to score. He's got an angle or he's got a little separation, and maybe a DB or a safety or a linebacker is coming over. He's even done it where he's looked back and seeing someone come in and he turns back into the player to get the contact, knowing he's going to fall into the end zone. He's also got guys on a side swipe where a safety's coming over. I'm just going to remind them and let them know that I prefer contact. I like contact. And in the future, you may not want to hit me. Um, he's amazing. And he's, he's fast, strong, uh, good vision. And then the balance is incredible. The amount of times he's been hit and pinballed around that I thought, okay, well, he's at least tackled, but still a nice game. And then he gets out of that pile and keeps going um he's awesome he's an awesome talent I'm glad he's only a sophomore
0: the defense has been good it's not a great defense but they've been equal to every moment when they've had to make a play they've looked like a great defense
3: yeah that's it where you know they don't have this amazing turnover ratio and the positive they don't have a huge uh, sack total for the season but they don't give up a lot of points there'll be weeks where they give up some yards but They've made it difficult for every team. And, and one of the interesting stats coming into the playoff game against uh, Richmond is, you know, their quarterback Udinski is this super efficient high completion percentage QB and Sacramento state's working on, I think it's 13 straight games where they've held the opposing quarterback below 60%. And the final game of the year when they played the causeway against UC Davis, Miles Hastings had the highest completion percentage in the league and was up near that high 60s, almost 70%. And they held him below that number even while giving up yards. So they are there when they need them most. They get hits on the quarterback. They tackle very well. And to your point, yeah, they've made the, the biggest plays when they needed to, and, and it really helped the team keep that perfect record.
0: Special teams are absolutely rock solid, too. Yes. Uh, Kyle Sinkowski's a stud, as a kicker. Coverages
3: are important to any game. The returns, they do just enough. And a big moment in the Causeway Classic was when uh, the punter, Cal McGoff, called his own number on a fake punt. Um, he just has a certain look, has the freedom. Coaching staff trusted him, and, it was a fourth and 10, and he ran for about 20, which was a big call and a big moment. So, yeah, that's an important element that I think is honestly one of the really big bright spots amongst many
0: uh, for this team. Now, I'm conflicted this week. Who to turn Uh-oh. down the ESPN Plus guys and listen to, either <laughs> you or Bob Black. I hope people will realize that these are two really excellent play-by-play guys. You probably never met Bob before, have you? I have not. We talked, uh, you know, talked do a podcast myself for Hornet Football, so I talked to him that way. I know I'm going
3: to get to meet him this weekend got a lot of experience a lot of good stories of course a championship run years ago with Richmond. i'm anxious to meet him and everybody that i've talked to that knows him uh, says says very good things about him so yeah it's, uh, he's seemingly a good guy that i'm anxious to meet
0: both sticklers for getting the names right and getting the information right and that's kind of a lost art isn't it sometimes people just go into doing it and just go with the feel of the game it's going to be really great to hear two pros jason
3: well, I appreciate that. It reminds me of a story when I years ago, one of my first years with Sacramento State, we had a football player that had played for a couple of years that had pronounced. We were pronouncing his name one way, and then finally his senior year, he said, "Well, it's actually this." And I was so hurt by that. And he's like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." I said, "It's exactly a big deal. I mean, I it's your name. I want your name to be right. I can't believe you didn't say it earlier." And um, he, he was cool about it, but it bothered me that I didn't know that. And we were going off of a pronunciation guide that he said. Yeah, that was actually wrong. But, um, you know, I'm glad he corrected us later. And of course, I want to get there's times where you have a, a, an error for sure. But, uh, you know, more times than not, I'm trying to at least get the names correct.
0: FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Jason Ross, the play by play voice for the Sacramento State Hornets. Thanks for making the time, sir. Really appreciate it. It's always a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. now time for the pick segment. Stone, eight games to pick, eight seeded teams to see if they can advance, hold serve, advance to the next round. Some underdogs coming in with a really good chance to win. Let's just get right to them. The first game we have, Delaware is at the number one seed, South Dakota State.
1: All right, I want to pick this Hens team really bad. I just can't do it. I got SDSU coming out of this one. Barely escaping 24-20. I think Delaware puts up a really good fight.
0: Blue Hens quarterback Nolan Henderson had an excellent game last week. And let's face it, y'all, he really needed it. The Hens will need to run the ball a little bit. But that Jackrabbits defense is extremely stingy there, right? They don't like you to let you get anything on the ground. Henderson will have to be accurate and not miss big plays. There will be some to be made down the field, but you must not miss them. The Jacks will lean on their running game, attempt to eat up the clock, and keep Henderson on the sideline. But they'll sneak one over the top on you, too, if you're not careful. Those Yankee twins can go down the field and get the football. This will be a really good game, but the Jackrabbits are at home, and Mark Ranowski is healthy and rested coming off two bye weeks, essentially. So they'll be fresh, and Delaware didn't finish the season all that strongly. So you got to figure that gives the Jackrabbits an advantage. Give me South Dakota State at home over Delaware, 27-20. Richmond is at number two, Sacramento State.
1: All right, I got the Hornets winning this one in a blowout, 42-28. Here's why. I said I think Sacramento State prepares for Richmond. It's not hard schematically. When you have as much talent as you do on the defensive side that the Hornets do, you can dial up pressures. You're allowed to play a lot of man coverage behind some of those blitzes. I think they punish this Richmond team. I don't see Reese Adinsky having the performance that everybody else does.
0: Not me, sir. I'm going to take Richmond in this one, and I'll Ooh. tell you why. These have these are two very different ways of getting the job done between these two offenses, right? Two-headed quarterback system for Sacramento State, and Reese Adinsky. Pinging that ball all over the field for Richmond. The Hornets defense hasn't been great all the time. But, damn, they've been great when it matters the most, right? They've played a lot of nail biters, a lot of close ball games. And those things have a tendency to even out. They've gotten a lot of bounces. They've gotten a lot of calls. But those are things that have to happen for you to have a great season. Those things have a tendency to even out. I believe they, they begin to even out. And a lot of them even out today. Take. Richmond upset the number two seed, Sacramento State Hornets, on the road. Spiders 34, Hornets 31. Montana is at the number three seed, North Dakota State, Bison.
1: All right, I'll just rip the band off here. North Dakota State gets it done, 28-27. to 27. Lucas Johnson's going to disappoint late in this game, and it is going to be hard to watch, but Bison on top by a hair.
0: Which Montana team shows up? We asked that question in, in the preview segment. The one from the last two quarters against SEMO or the one that couldn't get out of its own way that played the worst six quarters of Grizzly football I've seen in my time of Montana against the Bobcats and against SEMO. Montana's defense will present problems for NDSU because you never know where the pressure's coming from with that Montana Grizzly defense. The only thing you can be sure of, y'all, is that it's a coming. And they need to do some things to maybe put Justin Ford on NDSU's best receiver. Don't have him play a side of the field. We'll see what happens in this one, y'all. But I think Cam Miller is going to miss Hunter Lipke. He gives him a brilliant safety valve in the passing game. And that's not even taken into account what he does in the running game. Will any of that stuff matter? Probably not. Because NDSU has the best offensive line in the FCS they do every year. Take the Bison at home 28 13. Weber State. Is that number four, Montana State?
1: I got the Bobcats here, Kev. 38-33 on top of Weber State.
0: I agree, but I really think you have to throw out the previous game. Rematches are wonky, and that first ball game was like real bizarro world type stuff. Weber State and Montana State are both run-first teams and both do it extremely well. Not as much of the quarterback run out of Weber State as you're going to see out of both quarterbacks from Montana State. Weber will need Bronson Barron to push the ball down the field just like that South Dakota State game. There will be plays to be made, big plays down the field. You just can't miss them. But Tommy Malott, Sean Chambers, and the return of Isaiah Fonse are huge for the Bobcats. I believe those three are too much for Weber here. Take Montana, State, take Montana State at home over Weber State in a close hard-fought contest. Low scoring, I think, too. Bobcats win 24-17. Gardner Webb is at number five, William & Mary.
1: This game was hard for me to decide who was going to win and by how much. I do think Gardner-Webb has a chance in this one. I just think William & Mary's going to try to make it sloppy, right? Try to stack the box. I don't know if Gardner-Webb quarterback has enough to punish these guys through the air. So I think we're going to see a low-scoring affair in this one. I got William & Mary winning this one 21-14.
0: Bailey Fisher, the Gardner-Webb quarterback, tied a school record with seven 300-yard passing games this season, Stone. So they can get the ball down the field, the running Bulldogs can with just about anybody in this country. And the Webb's playing with house money, right? Nobody expected them to even make the field, much less win a road game and advance to this round of the playoffs to be playing a seeded team. Running Bulldogs have absolutely nothing to lose, and Stone lebanowitz that makes them all very yeah. dangerous men. Very dangerous men indeed. The tribe can really run the ball and stop the run, and normally that takes you a long way this time of the year. Key will be Gardner-Webb's quarterback, Bailey Fisher. If he has time, it could be a long day for the tribe. I do like William and Mary to win. But this will be close. It was tough to pick. The tribe will win at the tribe will win at home. 42-38. Southeastern Louisiana is at the number six seed Sanford Bulldogs.
1: I like Sanford here through and through. I think they put on a clinic here. Hopefully Hires can play. I got them winning this game 42 to 21.
0: If Hires plays, Sanford wins. If they don't, I don't see how they can. So, we don't know, and a lot of if. Take Southeastern Louisiana to win, 31-20. Furman is at number seven, Incarnate Word.
1: Not enough offense for Furman, Incarnate Word's getting this one done, 45-28. to
0: I disagree, sir, and it's not because I have a love affair with Furman. Everybody knows that ain't true. Furman can run the football. Dominic Roberto, Tyler Huff, the Powdins quarterback, can take the quarterback keepers, get some yards. Furman's defense is the best in the SoCon in the red zone. They'll bend, but they won't break. They will beat the number seven seed, Incarnate Word, on the road. Take the Paladins, 38-35. New Hampshire is at the number eight seed, Holy Cross.
1: Bye-bye, Holy Fraud. Give me New Hampshire. Give me Maxie Boy, 38-30. Bye-bye-bye.
0: Crusaders quarterback Matthew Saluka, this guy's a true dual threat, and he'll need both of those threats to keep Holy Cross in this football game. I believe quarterback Max Brosner can and will find big plays, and he won't miss them either. They'll get their yards on the ground too, Will, New Hampshire, and the Wildcats will win, take New Hampshire to win, 42-27. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. The marketing director for FCS Nation is Ms. Stacey Marshall. On behalf of all those good people, I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall reminding you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.